0: Before I start this week's episode of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, just the usual note of thanks to Sora Shimazaki at Pexels, who took the photograph which adorns the cover art. Let's crack on with it. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast. I'm Chris Cope-Bride. It's been quite a quiet week this week with sanctions taking centre stage. There's also the usual mix of fraud, money laundering and bribery, together with the usual roundup of cyber attack news. As usual, I've linked the main stories which I flag in the podcast right there in the description. We'll start with sanctions news, the Main sanctions news this week comes as a mixture from the UK and the US. We'll start in the US where the Department of the Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control (OFAC) has taken action aimed at the ability of Russia to engage on the battlefield with measures to limit access to military products and reduce any revenue it might obtain from metals and the mining sector. The actions will also impose further restrictions on the Russian financial system. OFAC has also sanctioned three Belgians and a Mexican who are believed to be involved in international drug trafficking. This is further evidence of the seriousness with which this is being taken by OFAC because one of the drugs involved is fentanyl. It's not the first time that's featured in the Financial Crime Weekly podcast as something that has been the subject of an attack. The sanctioned individuals are believed to be involved in the importation and distribution of narcotics destined for the US and European markets links to both stories from Oak OFAC including the Department of State fact sheet on the Russian sanctions can be found in the podcast description to the uk now where the government has announced 14 new sanctions with particular weight being given to 11 individuals involved in the forced deportation of children from Ukraine to Russia since the invasion in February 2022 It's estimated that around 19,000 children have been forcibly removed to Russia in an effort, at least in part, to compromise Ukrainian national identity. Those sanctioned include Senya Mijanova, the Commissioner for Children's Rights in the Moscow region, and Sergei Kravtsov, Minister of Education of Russia. The UK has also sanctioned Wagner Group commanders operating in Africa for the instability they've caused in that region. Links to the announcements are in the podcast description. Final bit of news related to sanctions from Russia is that the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office has removed Oleg Tinkov from the list of sanctioned individuals. He's been quite critical of the Russian regime following its invasion of Ukraine. Now, sticking with the UK, the Financial Conduct Authority, has issued guidance on listing transactions in relation to the Russian and Belarusian sanctions regimes. The sanctions impose limitations on accessing capital markets and dealing with transferable securities for certain entities. Link to the information is in the podcast description. The final piece of news from the UK comes in the shape of another challenge to a sanctions regime after we reported recently that similar attempts had been made, or are being made, before the Court of Justice of the European Communities in the EU. The UK-based challenge is by Eugene Schvidler, there you go, Russian billionaire who made his money in oil. He's pursuing the action with the aim of seeing the release of his assets. Certainly keep an eye on that one. Final piece of news from the UK, and this genuinely is the final piece of news from the UK, the publication by the Department for Business and Trade and the Export Joint, uh, Control Joint Unit of its strategic report, Exports Controls Annual Report for 2022. The link to that report, if you want to have a read of it, is in the podcast description. As you can imagine, it's peppered with much about the invasion of Ukraine and the export controls that have been put in place. Final sanction news, just a bit of difference, comes from the European Union which has announced further sanctions on Iran for its continued support of Russia by the supply of unmanned aerial vehicles or UAVs. The sanctions limit the export of parts used in the production of UAVs. The bloc has also imposed a seventh round of sanctions on six individuals and one entity in Myanmar or Burma, following the continuation of violence and human rights violation in the country. Link to both press releases can be found in the podcast description. Now that's it for sanctions this week. Let's turn our attention to fraud. There's a limited range of fraud news this week. I've picked another couple of instances of COVID-19 fraud. This again coming out of the US Department of Justice, the DOJ, where a man from New York State pleaded guilty to fraud on the Paycheck Protection Programme, the PPP Programme, and the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Programme, the EIDLP. To Rami Saab, the individual concerned, the fraud was worth just over a staggering $9.5 million. At sentencing later this year, he may well face a term of imprisonment. I think, in fact, I suspect that's highly likely, unless there's a dramatic change in his fortunes, as well as an order for restitution and a fine. As well as this one, the DOJ announced very recently, this, just very late uh, this week, announced charges against four individuals for fraud on the pandemic recovery schemes. Links to both press releases can be found in the podcast description. The fraud news from the UK is also COVID-19 related, and it comes in the form of a report, this time from The Guardian newspaper, which provides that of the 1,200 directors disqualified from acting as directors between the 1st of April 2022 and the 30th of June 2023, over half, 611 precisely, were disqualified because of fraud on the various schemes of financial aid to help business recover from the worst financial effects of the pandemic. Now, we've covered these a lot. Actions by the Insolvency Service to ban directors who have committed fraud against the, insol- uh, against the various forms of relief we'll put in that were we'll put in place to help businesses recover from the pandemic. So that figure, frankly, doesn't surprise me. I've linked the article from The Guardian in the podcast description. That's it for fraud. I said there wasn't much. Now we turn to money laundering. This week's money laundering news starts in the United States, where the Federal Reserve has issued a consent order and fine of $186 million against Deutsche Bank for continuing failures related to legacy money laundering issues at the bank. Deutsche Bank will need to refocus its efforts on putting efforts on putting right those issues which have been identified. The link to the Fed's press release is in the podcast description. And the final piece of money laundering news this week comes from the United Kingdom, where the Gambling Commission has once again taken one of its regulated entities to task over money laundering and corporate social responsibility failings. Dunn Brothers Cash Betting Limited, which trades as Betfred, which most people will know it as, will pay £3.25 million. Insofar as the money laundering failings are concerned, the company failed to conduct an appropriate risk assessment, to implement appropriate policies and procedures, and to keep such policies and procedures under review to ensure their effectiveness. All of this needed to be done with the objective of preventing, of course, money laundering and terrorist financing. The link to the press release and the public statement can be found in the podcast description little bit of bribery and anti-corruption news this week as it was last week really it was a bit thin on the ground but we'll start in sri lanka where the parliament has approved anti-corruption legislation without any opposition at all the legislation is a condition of funding received from the international monetary fund now it's not uncommon for the imf to add strings to any advancement from its coffers and compliance is typical certainly where the sovereign nations don't want to be blacklisted. The other piece of bribery news comes from the Serious Fraud Office in the UK, which has announced the confiscation of a Sheffield flat. I'll get much more parochial than that. Linked to Dr Guang Zhang, who was an agent for British technology company Sarclad Limited, which paid bribes to secure business in China. The link to that is in the podcast description. Now, one final bit of bribery and anti-corruption news, and this is something which links to Transparency International and the continuing conflict in Ukraine. It's a, it's kind of like a, bo- a blog post, I suppose, would be the best way to describe it. And as I said, it's from Transparency International, and it reflects on Ukraine's efforts to deal with issues of transparency and accountability against the backdrop of the Russian invasion. The link is in the podcast description. Now... A bit of market abuse before we look at some other news and then turn to cyber so the market abuse news this week starts in the european union where the european securities and markets authority that's esma the eu's financial markets regulator and supervisor has published its report on suspicious transactions and orders or stores now the report provides Despite some small discrepancies observed across 2021 and 2022, ESMA notes that the figures are rather consistent and no major changes can be detected across the two-year period. The number of notifications received from NCA's, their national competent authorities, is rather stable and other indicators, such as the type of reporting entities, the type of instrument, as well as the type of violation of The notifications cover point towards very similar results. However, it's worth noting that when comparing these figures with those of years before 2019, the Brexit effect cannot be disregarded given the magnitude of stores received by the United Kingdom's Financial Conduct Authority until 2018. To that effect, ESMA tried where possible to include statistics both with and without the UK in order to provide a comprehensive view. The link to the full report can be found in the podcast description. Now, on the subject of the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK, it's published its market cleanliness statistics for 2022 2023. Its market cleanliness statistics relate to takeovers and represent a proportion of corporate takeover events for which a significant abnormal movement in the share price was observed before the takeover announcement. Now, the figures for 2022 are up to their highest level, 24.6%, where an abnormal an abnormal movement in the share price was observed before the takeover announcement. So, they're at their highest level since 2009-2010, which is right back in just around the global financial crisis stage and certainly the recovery from that. Interesting stats. The link to the full market cleanliness report is in the podcast description. Now before I end this roundup of market abuse news stories, late in the week a story broke across the wires about the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, probing Revolution Beauty PLC for alleged market abuse committed over a period from July 2021 to September 2022. Nothing official on the Financial Conduct Authority's website at the moment, just a release from the company itself. So I suppose it's a matter of wait and see on that story. Now, a bit of other news before we round up this week's cyber attack news. So, few publications that I think it might be worth having a, a dip into. First, the National Crime Agency in the UK has published its National Strategic Assessment of Serious and Organised Crime 2023. And the Serious Fraud Office has published its annual report and accounts for 2022-23. 20, in fact, I think that will be the final one under the stewardship of Lisa Avsofsky, who leaves next month. Link to both can be found in the podcast description. And finally, on other news this week, His Majesty's Revenue and Customs has published a policy paper which proposes the creation of a strict liability criminal offence for promoters of tax avoidance which fail to comply with prescribed stop notice obligations. The link in the podcast description provides the policy paper the draft legislation and the explanatory notes now to the cyber news this week the cyber news this week starts with government attacks which seem to be picking up in australia files relating to the business of the government of the state of victoria have been posted online following a cyber attack on a law firm that's hwl ebsworth which has undertaken work for the Victorian administration. The attacks, which happened earlier this year, are only really now coming to light. In South Korea, the Korean Institute of Startup and Entrepreneurship Development, which operates under the auspices of the Ministry of SMEs and Startups, was also the victim of a phishing attack resulting in $135,000 being transferred outside the country. Like the attack which affected data of the Victorian government, This attack on the South Korean agency happened earlier this year, but is only now coming to light. Finally, on government and official agency cyber attacks, the US ambassador to Beijing, Nicholas Burns, is reported to be one of the officials whose emails were accessed by the recent attack which was blamed on Chinese cybercriminals. Now, here's one. The cosmetics company Estee Lauder has announced this week that it had experienced a cyber incident when access was gained to its systems. It quickly took its systems offline and locked down. So far, both the Black Cat and Klopp cyber criminals groups have claimed responsibility for the incident. And finally, on this week's cyber news, academics working at the NHL Stenden University of Applied Sciences in the Netherlands have launched the Maritime Cyber Attack Database, which records cyber incidents involving all aspects of the maritime sector, which, as we've seen across this podcast, have become increasingly to the attention, or they've come increasingly to the attention of cyber criminals in recent months. That's it for this week's episode of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast. If you want to do so, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll hear from me again, all being well, next Sunday, with the usual roundup of all things financial crime. Have a genuinely great week, everyone.